We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the Wombo Combo Podcast. I'm Breaky CPK, as always, joined by BSJ, and we got a lot to talk about. The MDL Major wrapping up, of course. Excited to be here, as always. BSJ, how you doing, man? Doing good, man. Ready for some new patch. <laughs> that's David, the important please. thing. Yes, of course. That, I mean, that's the most exciting part about the end of this major, <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, TNC winning it and everything. Whatever, guy. It, it is funny to see how that happens whenever a patch is set to come out, when people believe it's set to come out after a big event. How As soon as the event's over, I don't even think the top post on Reddit was actually congrats, TNC. It was, all right, it's been literally a minute since the major finished. Where the hell's our patch, Gaben? Like, <laughs> that just shows you exactly. where the community's at. It's understandable. Obviously, there's a lot more than just the esports side of things, but that that's what we're focused on is competitive. But Obviously, the patch certainly affects, and we are all excited to see uh, Earthshaker and Morphling combination no more, as I'm sure that will be at least part of it. And we're going to give our take in terms of maybe our expectations later on in the show. Again, not going to take forever. This ain't no Purge podcast here, but we'll give our at least a quicker take on what we think may be coming. And by the time you're even hearing this, maybe the patch will be out. Because right now it's set to come out tomorrow, I believe, right? Yeah, okay. that's what they said. So let's, uh, you know, fingers crossed that that is reality. Yeah, that's uh, that, that that that's gonna be something. It's 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 definitely set to be a pretty big patch. So uh, we'll see what it entails. But again, the MDL officially wrapping up last night. Well, kind of last night. I mean, obviously being in China more day and a half ago, I guess you could say. But Sunday night over there, and as mentioned, in case you haven't heard, TNC. We we were right, BSJ. We were right. I was right all along. I, yeah. You know, I had a few teams that slipped through my predictions. Like I didn't expect liquid to do as well as they did j storm taking that winner's bracket series did a little bit better than they did 
But I'm going to take credit where it's due for me because I said the top four teams were IG, EG, TNC, and VG. So, you know, people were saying the results were supposed to be, like, unexpected or whatever because or like, maybe there's some variance because all the Tier 1 teams are gone. Somebody else can win. But I think with the Tier 1 teams gone, all that means is that the Tier 1-ish teams or Tier 2 teams become the Tier 1 teams. So that's all that really happens. I think that there's pretty distinct rungs on the ladder of uh, professional Dota. And I think in this tournament, that kind of showed. I'm really happy that I was like really confident that TNC was going to pull through. But I also knew that there was a chance they were going to be like the wings of uh, the major before TI6, where they just lose. And I, I, you know, so I'm glad that they followed through on my expectations of them. Yeah, they, they, they did have to come to the lower bracket, VG Gaming, of course, putting them in the lower bracket after beating them to nothing. And I, I did have VG Gaming in the final. I've, I, I was sold on this team from the very beginning as one of my top three with EG and Gambit we and don't Gambit. talk about. Let's, <laughs> let's no, that that happened, but it didn't, you know. Yeah, I'm, that, just, I'm just kidding. Unfortunately. I will say about uh, Invictus Gaming, now, again, it, anything, obviously, there's, there's a lot of close calls in these tournaments, and they did ultimately move on, but they shouldn't have. Beast Coast actually yeah, should have. Beast Coast gave them a nice little present uh, early for Christmas this year. Yeah. Yeah, they were up by what? Like 12,000 gold with a drow lineup and then just died on four heroes and lost. Like, they were up 12,000 gold on Beast Coast, and the game was over like a minute and a half later. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't even like they lost a fight and then slowly lost the game. The fight was lost, and then they lost. Like, they actually were just... They took a fight outside a base, like on the other team side of the map, and then IG won. It was the weird. That was like one of the weirdest. Such a Beast Coast ending. Uh, Beast yeah. Coast was a slight disappointment for me, but they are pretty unpredictable wild card. And I think this tournament they kind of proved that they belong in like the. I kind of what will happen is for the next major, every team that placed here will kind of slide down four places. You know that's going to be how I look at it. You just put LGD. Uh, Secret, X-Liquid, you put all of them back in the equation and you just slide everyone back. So I was kind of putting Beast Coast as like top 12 in the world in this tournament. Uh, they've got, what, eighth? And they could have gotten higher. So I think that they're in contention to be one of the top eight teams in the world. So I think they were right about where I expected them to be. But obviously going out in quite the beast coast fashion yeah it's unfortunate but it is what it is as you mentioned again getting top eight at a major still definitely deserves an applause of sorts but uh as certainly they they could have gone further and uh that 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 was something but evictus gaming they moved on and went all the way to the lower finals of course that's where they were eliminated by tnc but again ig beating eg in the match before on top of that and uh but we're we're going going all over the place with the major understandable but to keep it in line here i want to actually focus more back on tnc and what this really means for Southeast Asian Dota as a whole, because SCA Dota, up until I, I, from what I was looking at, and I saw a couple other people suggest this, so I'm going to go ahead and say it, I, I don't believe SCA Dota has won an actual major event, obviously not TI itself, or any really major tournament on the DPC circuit, and the majors even before. So this really is the biggest Southeast Asian Dota victory uh, to date. I think, I think Mineski won a major like two years ago, the Did first they? one though. Uh, and it was like the same story where there were several big teams not in the tournament. So I think, okay. um, like this one still holds a lot more meaning than that one. Uh, but at the same time, it's not going to mean much if they get 12th of the next major, like the, yeah. 
nobody's going to remember this. Through, I mean, they're going to remember this because they qualified for TI, but they're not going to remember this in the sense that they'll think TNC is one of the best teams in the world. If once all the good teams come back, TNC just gets bottom four or whatever, you know? So uh, this is a big step for the SEA Dota region, but I think TNC really the same idea for the South American region where it's not enough to just do it once, you know, make, make sure you, I mean, they don't have to get first next major, but maybe at least top eight, top six, uh, would be Not pretty important. Out. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's early in the season and now okay, so yeah, it is being brought up, so I, I guess it's not the very first, but it's still, you know, it's obviously been very rare, only once before then at that point. Uh but SEA Dota has been a region that early on within the Dota two competitive scene, you know, it was what I really consider the South America of nowadays where they, they were a region that wasn't really respected the most. They were definitely a growing region. And I think it's fair to say today, we certainly have top tier competition as shown from the MDL tournament. TNC is there, but kind of going off what you're saying right there, as far as, you know, how do they follow this now? And it's, it is interesting because you win a major, you figure you would suggest that right now they're the best team in the world, but, not necessarily. I, I, I can't sit here and say that. Now, obviously, there is the asterisk there. There is the fact that four of the top teams weren't there at the event. But I almost even have trouble still. <laughs> and I don't know what it is, but I have trouble even almost putting them as a top five team right now because you got the four others and then you still have the EG, the Vici Gaming, who they just beat, I understand. But I, I am not necessarily still sold on them going into the next major and keeping this momentum up. Now, they could just not even qualify for another major and I think still qualify for TI because of the amount of TPC points they've gotten. But it's just something about this team. They seem like one of these very flashy in-the-moment teams, but the consistency, its I'm not sold it's necessarily going to be there uh, advancing forward. Obviously, it can be proven wrong, but I, it, I don't know what it is. It just doesn't feel like a team that I necessarily see continuing this momentum basically yeah, i've been wrong either way about teams before like i really doubted beast coast going into ti or infamous at the time and like moving forward they've kind of proven me wrong i've really doubted or i've i've like believed in certain teams and they haven't pulled through but i believe in tnc i i think that they are definitely uh, even potentially top four for the regular season just because teams like og don't really show up until ti yeah i think uh the chinese powerhouses generally don't look nearly as good as they do at ti during the rest of the year so I think that uh, this team looks motivated. I think that uh, they didn't really have one specific play style. They had whatever the hell was popular in the meta. They just did it, and they did it well, and it was kind of just random stuff. And I think that that shows the team's just interpreting the patch and doing what they think is best for the patch, and not so much that they got lucky with the patch or whatever. You know, certain teams just the stars align where certain heroes are really good that they play really well. I think for them, they just knew how to play the patch by being a good team, not by getting lucky or anything like that. So I'm going to put my eggs in there or my whatever in their, my eggs in their basket or whatever. I, as of now, unless, you know, obviously I'm ready to just watch them flop somehow. <laughs> uh, Cause Dota is such a weird game like that in the terms of the team dynamic. 
but moving forward, I'm a TNC believer. I was a TNC believer the second I saw them at ESL. Yeah. They won this major, and now I want to see it carry on in the next patch. Well, it kind of for me, it goes back to that. So glad you brought that with ESL. Where again, you know, you and I were having the conversation that I, I just didn't think that event was it wasn't the biggest deal to win that event. Obviously, yes, it's still a big deal, but at the same time, it wasn't necessarily something that I saw as oh my god, TNC is here to play. Now, of course, here they are winning the major, and it's like you know they're trying to trying to prove to me what more can they do and. To to be fair, they, they can't. I mean, they, they won the major, but I do look at the road that they took to get there. They had to defeat Alliance in the first round. Obviously, a I don't consider a top eight team even necessarily in this major. Jay Storm on top of that, which was this Dark yeah. Horse team that kind of came out of nowhere for for a lot of us. Uh, they had to, to be them. fair, they slaughtered them, but yeah, yes, they yeah. did. They did slaughter them, and then they lost to Vici Gaming, as I mentioned initially. Now again, they had to then climb back, and yes, IG obviously looking good, and then defeating Vici Gaming in the grand finals. So yes, they they deserved to win the tournament. It's not their fault that they maybe had an easier road initially, but. I still look at that, and that tells me that I just can't get behind. It feels like maybe a team of the past, they really use the safe lane Night Stalker and caught people off guard. They abuse the Morphling Earthshaker combination quite a bit as well. So that's where I continue to come from in terms of just not sold on them being a team that can consistently keep it moving forward. But as I go back to, they don't necessarily need to because you win a major at the season. You pretty much do secure a spot. And they I saw people doing the math. I think it's even top three at a major potentially just secures your spot at TI anyways uh, moving forward. So <sighs> looking like, how do I word this? Right. So a lot of people, I think, as spectators, they look at the results. Like when you look at ESL and they won and stuff like honestly, none of the other teams at ESL looked that great to me. But the way TNC won that tournament and most of their matches was is what impresses me. It's like somebody's making the point that they beat Gambit, who got bottom four at this major to win that ESL yeah. tournament. And it's, to me, it's like saying you're impressed with you're, – you're unimpressed with that is the same as being impressed that J-Storm got sixth. I'm not impressed J-Storm got sixth. Like, they, <laughs> they managed to squeak through to the winner bracket. And then they took a kind of flukish win over Team Liquid, like, and then they got sixth. Like, it doesn't take that much for a team to make it drastically higher when it takes one series, right? Like, sure. uh, I'm not saying J Storm's bad, but they're definitely not top six in the major. And, it, you know, stuff like that happens. But TNC at the ESL was so dominant. And then the big thing for me when they played Team or Vici Gaming in the Winter Bracket Final was they lost and 2-0. They were playing their popular strategies. And then they literally came back the next day and they said, we're going to pick the same shit. We're going to redo it. And basically, they like had different bands and different pick orders. And they beat them with it. So it was like, for me, that says a lot about a team, that they have like a popular strategy. The opponent countered it. They dealt with it. And then you said, okay, what, do we, what did we allow? What can we do? And then over the course of one day, they reversed it onto that team and just honestly dumpstered them with it so yeah. i that's a big deal for me the fact that uh team like that that is what the best teams do in the, in the world right you've seen the best teams in the world even ti7 liquid like dropping their first series in the winter bracket like they will lose series like that that is something the best teams in the world still do uh, i mean team secret at ti9 they dropped first first round i believe and then they went all the way to uh third place or fourth or whatever so it uh, that 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 for me was a big deal. Uh, even more so, securing how much I believe in TNC was them losing and then coming back and beating them. Not only beating them, but with the exact same strategies uh, that they lost with previously. 
Uh, and I think at a patch, your ability to identify what your team does best and then make it unbeatable is really important uh, for any team to be successful. It doesn't necessarily matter what you do. It's just that you have to be so good at whatever you specifically like as a team uh, that that you can continue to refine it, right? You discover it. They discovered Morphling Shaker, and they clearly were the most knowledgeable of it over the course of the entire tournament in terms of how to beat it, how to, like, fix it if they lost with it. That That's hard. That's easier said than done. Like, that is really hard, yeah. so... I know I said a lot about it, but I, I think that that is under uh, flies under the radar for a lot of casual viewers. Okay. Uh, one that one last point on that before moving on topics. I, I guess it is kind of similar. I know you even brought it up too with with looking at a team like OG and even winning TI in their case. And and after the first TI that that OG had won TI eight right there, I. I I stood strong by the statement that OG is not the best team in the world. They just simply got hot at the right time. They were great on that specific patch, and thus they won TI. Not to take away anything from what they did, but in my mind, they were not the best team in the world. But that sometimes that doesn't matter. Sometimes you know, as long as you're just good during that those dates and those period, those couple of days even, then uh, that can get you victorious of what you need to do in the end. So that's that that to me feels like what TNC did right here at this major uh to an extent obviously on a much smaller i know what scale, you mean but... it is there is a bit of luck involved with who figures out the patch the best but you don't win a major tournament unless you're tier one like you just don't like you can't fluke your way like when people talked about t them kind of fluking ti8 what that means to me is that they were effectively caliber wise the sixth best team in the tournament and they managed to get first like that's there's no you're the 15th best team and you got lucky with the patch and now you win that that doesn't happen in dota there, there's too big of a discrepancy uh in tier one to tier three teams in order to uh overcome it just with understanding of a patch mm -hmm. because especially in the course of ti i think it's quite easy for a team that is maybe even bottom four caliber to get top six if they know something nobody else does but what ends up happening is over the course of the tournament, everyone realizes what they know that nobody else did. And then they just beat them at their own game because they're better players. Uh, but OG, you know, same with TNC here, it, like especially with TNC here, they, everyone knew exactly what was broken coming into this major. Everyone knew. Yeah. And yet uh, TNC was by far the best team at it. Like uncomparable in terms of their quality of Earthshaker Morphling compared to anyone else in the entire tournament. And with OG specifically, God, it was so funny. I paneled with Bulba at TI8 uh, right after he lost to OG in the loser bracket final. And it was during the finals. And for me, I don't, it's hard to describe, but I was like, dude, this OG team is legit. Like, what the <laughs> hell? I like, I thought they were so good. And he's like shit talking them and they're getting lucky and stuff. I'm like, are you <laughs> watching these games? Like, you can't just get lucky to come back in these games. The way they're coming back was absolutely insane. Uh, and it, like, if you watch it back, it was so uh, methodical. Yeah, like, it was. Uh, just beautiful to watch. And that's why, for me, it's so funny to see a team like OG last year just kind of do whatever in terms of during the season, and they yeah. come back for TI9, and they look they just shit on everybody. It's, I, it's something. Yeah, that, that's a whole other breed. That, that's, I, we're we're going to leave it there because there's so much, like you said, there's so much you can talk about here. But, yeah. man, I think TNC is 
I hope that they do the equivalent of what OG did from yeah. TIA. To- I, I do want to be clear. I, I I do not think OG was lucky. I just think they played very well at the right time. That's how I look at it. They yeah, were stars lucky. do need to align in some yeah. way to win TI. But they, sure. they clearly not. are good enough to uh, be able to compete against the best of the best, and they were at those times. So, yeah, similar. To I, it wasn't mainly calling you out for saying that. Fair. It's like a lot of people who say, like, they oh, got, I know. like the fluke TI, you know, like that's. I hate that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It wasn't sure. a fluke. There's no, that was not a fluke at all um all right uh so another topic to, uh, that i wanted to go over was of course eg and ultimately how they finished and i mean you you had the interesting prediction in our last podcast that you thought that they would even get knocked down to the lower bracket by ig initially and then even and they ended up losing there. to ig so they just <laughs> did it in the wrong order man. they, they kind of did that but yeah they, they, they did get all the way to fourth place but as you mentioned they they lost ig two to one they also lost to vichy to get knocked down to the lower bracket two to one as well so is this something that eg can say we're proud of or being a tournament where the top four teams weren't there don't finish only fourth place it does feel a little low in some sense as well so what do you think uh i just want to say about like them getting 12th my prediction i wanted to be bold because i thought what the exact matchups they got were ig i think and then they dropped to play alliance that they had lost to ig i thought that was like the one way they'd ever get 12th like i I didn't think they were 12th but i Uh thought like it could happen there uh i think overall eg just didn't look nearly as solid as the other teams i think they haven't come together as a unit i think the individual individual players are sick and they have so much upward potential uh so but like when i watch them in the group stage uh i when i look at the player roster i I know they're a top four caliber team so that doesn't really surprise me at all but it also sad sad to say i didn't think they had a chance to win in hell coming out of the group stage like i didn't think they would ever win this tournament so it I think they have a lot of positivity moving forward, but the cult behind EG, like the fan base of EG is just so weird yeah. uh, that they're going to look at this and just laugh or whatever. At some point, I have to believe that it's gotten to Arteezy's head that all of these people are just saying 3G, 4G, you know, the fact that they always get third and fourth. How can a team of this good of players never beat fourth place or third place? Like, I I don't understand. I I don't get it. So, yeah, uh, it's such a weird phenomenon. Uh, on on that note, I I think it's actually a disappointing finish because as I say, you're looking at the top four teams not even being there in a lot of ways. So you could almost mm-hmm. see this as an eighth place finish if you want to look at it from that perspective, and that that just is unacceptable for a team like EG who's putting again. We don't know the contracts behind the scenes necessarily, but. I would put a fair bet that they probably have the best contracts, if not one of the best out of any team in Dota 2. I wouldn't doubt it. Maybe. I mean, obviously, there's some Chinese teams that I'm sure have some good ones as well, but EG certainly is up there. And and so we're talking about the expectations are high, and I understand that they are a newer team together and everything like that, but this is a team that should have at least finished top three. They they frankly should have beat IG. They, They are better than them. They, on paper, are better than them, and that's why they are on a team like Evil Geniuses. So they're on the kind of the other side for me where a very disappointing performance and they need to step it up. I mean, moving forward. And yes, there's people that are suggesting making excuses for them that, oh, they didn't boot camp, blah, blah, blah. Guys, EG, this, this, this organization has so much more 
tools at its disposal to use in the first place that th- th- that whole argument is just frankly stupid to me because you're looking at teams that aren't eg that have to you know kind of do their own things whether it's their own kind of smaller boot camps or just even play online together just for simply practice um i just don't see that as a legitimate excuse that this is a squad that needs to be able to put the put in the effort in time which i'm sure they are but uh getting a fourth place finish at a major that was you know, let, missing out on some top tier teams is is not a good performance. So I, I I think EG should come out of this fairly disappointed. But again, it is a long season ahead. They still got some decent DPC points out of it, but they do need to step it up in my mind. Uh, my major problem with EG every patch has been that they're all like incredibly good players. Like they are really incredibly good players, but I've never seen them as a team that just knows the patch as well or better than anyone else. That that's I feel like they're just copying other people. I think that's always been Bulba's strategy. I think that. Uh, they kind of just do whatever's best, and not once has EG in the last two years drafted a draft where the other team's like, whoa, we didn't expect that. Yeah. And they, they, you're just not going to beat teams of similar caliber. Like, like fucking, uh, excuse my language, TNC just picks like first pick disruptor randomly. This hero hasn't seen play for the last eight months, and they're just first picking disruptor, and then suddenly every other team is first picking disruptor. Like... I, you know, never does EG define the meta. Like, yeah, there's teams that have to specifically deal with the RTZ Arc Wardens and stuff, but name one patch or name one tournament where you watch EG's drafts and you're just like, wow. You know, it just, yeah. uh, that for me is why they get third or fourth every tournament because they're very good players and they'll understand the meta the fourth best out of anybody. Like, uh, it doesn't matter how many teams are in the tournament. I think if you, like your argument that they're eighth effectively, I almost just disagree. I think that they're permanently the fourth place team in the (laughs) scene. Like, they've proven that they elevate their level of play to get get to a certain point because they uh, take the patch strategies and win with it. Um, But then they get down to the final end of the tournament where these teams that truly understand and form the meta just know the meta better than they do so they make it to these like final matches and then the teams that are top three just beat them um those like three teams kind of rotate obviously uh amongst like the eight or nine big teams but it's funny i, I don't think it's it's been the same story every tournament for the last two years for eg it's been the it really has if you think about it uh you know they always get to top four and then maybe they'll get one more series out of it but the other team just looks like they know the meta better they don't look like a better team necessarily Mm -hmm. they just look like they know the meta better i think ig played this meta really well i think they had some really flashy picks that emo zeus pick into ember like abed didn't expect that at all and then he just solo kills him at four minutes like everyone's like what is this zeus pick that shit that that's a terrible pick and then you watch it play out like this zeus hero is super squishy and then every time they went on him he got centaur ultied and then they Genius. turn the fight. It was like, yeah. you know, that's the kind of stuff where that gotcha is so the EG will never do that. Like, I, I haven't seen them do that in a draft in the last two years. So, yeah, sorry for my rant, but I do believe no. EG is like 
has like gone into this comfort zone that leaves them getting third or fourth every tournament and no better. It seems like, I mean, we're on the same page, honestly. And I, and I, and I honestly think I would, I would have to feel that there's a lot of the fan base out there that has to feel a similar way. At least there are those delusional fans out there as always for any organization or traditional sports, even that, you know, they they always think, you know, make excuses for them and everything. But I, I think people are getting tired of, you know, EG being hyped up as this top, top team of the best of the best of them every single year. And the, the talent that's there yet it, they, they cannot seem to just uh to win it all not even we're not even talking about ti we're talking about even these majors along the line here so is there a tournament they've gotten worse than sixth either like i they just always get <laughs> and that's sixth fly, to yeah. third like they're all like uh, i just remember at the major last year i was casting in malaysia and there was like the history of this player's like tournament results and it was arteezy legitimately like nine in a row third place i was like what the hell <laughs> i mean it's a meme but it's actually so true it's like, yeah you kind of wonder how the players feel about it as well i'm sure there is some disappointment there you'd hope there's disappointment there i'll say put yeah. it that way exactly okay so enough about eg um any uh, as far as other things in the major goes uh, any teams that went beyond our expectations i suppose i mean for me J storm i think off the bat certainly is that team that and now to be fair i kind of said going in this is either a team that can see going last place spot or even the top four potential team now they actually finished in the middle they happen to get sixth place fifth six technically uh, ultimately knocked out by ig and getting sent down initially of course by tnc as we mentioned but uh, I, I i do think that this is a j storm squad a sixth place finish in the first major of the season they'll, they'll take it and they, they were impressive at times i suppose Oh, I mean, they'll absolutely take it. I, I just think that when I say no team overperformed, I, I just think that the middle bracket of this, like you have the top four, top five, and then the bottom four, bottom five, and everyone in the middle was kind of close. So the kind of the dominoes just kind of fell where they did. Uh, if anything, for overperformances, it'd be Team Liquid. I really expected them to bomb out uh, in this tournament based on what they did at ESL. It wasn't because of their result at ESL, but it was because when I watched their games at ESL, they just looked terrible. Like they yeah. looked lost in the patch like they look like this patch they were lost and i was like eh, they'll probably come back next patch but um this patch in particular looked rough so I, I like to see that was actually really promising for me for team liquid that they looked just lost two weeks ago and now they looked like they had formed some sort of identity and a winning strategy that whether they get seventh eighth or fifth sixth seventh eighth liquid? yeah so yeah yeah i mean it's not the most amazing finish but the fact is they did um they did look pretty decent. Uh, so for me, moving forward, uh, I would like to see them prove that they're better than like 12th in the world. That, that, that's what I would like to see from them. Uh, the, the caliber is there to be a top 10 team, honestly, in my mind, yeah, at least. It, it is. It certainly Absolutely. is when it comes to their play. And I think they've shown that in competition against some of these top teams that they played throughout these tournaments. I mean, early on in the games, it feels like that they actually play very well in the laning phase. But then it's just the later parts. Things can stumble. You did mention you were strong. Uh, you're very adamant on the current patch, maybe not being the best for them as well. So, hey, last I heard, there's a new patch just around the corner. Obviously, uh, a lot can happen from that, too. So. Uh, we'll see for look at I, I definitely agree there. So um, and then I think a good way to finish talking about the uh, MDL majors almost kind of setting up the next one, really, that uh, that will be coming up, of course, in the sense of it feels like at least now we don't have 100 percent confirmation on this, but it, it feels like that valve is going to be 
making adjustments from major to major, depending on how the results finish from the regions, what I'm getting at for the slot allocation. Of course, we talked about for the, for this major, it was interesting in how it played out. Obviously, only the two European spots, the three NA spots, but a lot of that came down to, well, when you have three European teams not participating, you have LGD not participating from China, but mainly those three European teams, that seemed to make Valve go, well, we should probably you know make some adjustments right here. So I would believe that they possibly are going to be doing the same and if so how do we think those slot allocations should look now moving forward to this next major which by the way the qualifiers i believe are set to start next weekend even if not early next might week, even so. be sooner uh it's very soon i it, think it's like three days on the new patch or something two days on the new patch geez. so that's pretty gonna brutal be intense, yeah. that way um did you want to go first uh in terms of slot allocation i think uh, okay. i'm curious to see what you think here well so if that is the case that they're going to be playing the game of making adjustments, I personally would lean towards the only change that I would make is taking one away from Southeast Asia. I honestly wasn't even sure about how I felt about three Southeast Asia in the first place for this major, but taking one away from them, giving it to Europe and then having it stand as was before. So keeping NA at three, you have Europe at three, you have China at three, and then the other. So Southeast Asia, CIS and South America would be two. So we're not talking about a dramatic change, but I think I know that there's some that would suggest two for NA, but you had Evil Geniuses and J-Storm, the, obviously the surprise team for a lot of people. They got top six. I, don't, I, don't, I feel like you, you have to respect the results from NA this tournament, and you have to give them three spots uh, moving forward. So that's how I would do it. Take the one from SEA, give it to Europe, then have that 3-3-3, three, 2-2-2. Three, three, two, two, two. Um, my only counter argument, I, I think that you have very good points about that, and I think it's completely realistic that they do that approach. Um Something that I like to think is that you take the top placing teams in the tournament and you say this of this region gets this many entries and plus one. Uh, because what I mean by that is that you have the teams that played well in the tournament and then you don't want to make it so that they're the only teams getting slots to the next to the next major. You want to make it so that the best teams in the world plus teams that want to get a chance or that deserves a chance to prove themselves, make it into the tournament. So the way I look at this for me, that I think would be the ballsy prediction that I don't think valve will do, <laughs> but I honestly think it's arguable. They should, is they should give four shots, four slots to China. I think it's like okay. kind of BS for China to have EIG be the third best team. And they only get three slots. Um, because at this point you have Vichy gaming getting second, IG getting third and you have LGD coming back. And you're telling me no other team from China is supposed to qualify for this major? Like, I, I think that that's like almost a travesty. And in the sense that, like, yeah, J Storm got sixth, but I don't really think that they fall into the category of, you know, they're a good enough team where in NA they're unbeatable in the qualifiers. So you have EG that takes that one slot and then you give the extra slot to somebody else, right? Like meaning that you have the one team that's definitely going to perform well in the tournament plus one in China, you have three plus one. Like I, that's my opinion. I think Europe's obviously going to get three. Like you said, yeah. uh, I'm fine with two in SCA cause there's only one clear, good team in SCA uh, two in South America. Same thing. There's only one clear, good in team in S South America. And then um, in NA, I really only think it's EG. Like I think J storm. Yeah, they got six, but like I said, that's them in my opinion, fluking a series over Team Liquid. Like, that's all that, that boiled down to. Um, and I think if J-Storm played against TNC, Vici, or EG, they would have gotten absolutely slaughtered. 
uh, in the upper bracket than they would have lost in the lower bracket and gotten 12th, just like I expect them to get. So, uh, I hate to be rooting against NA <laughs> and, you know, pro-China, you know, whatever. I, I, I think China deserves four slots. I think the four of the best teams in the world are China, are, are from China. So. so you would do four, three, and then two for the rest? Yeah, four China, three huh. European, and then two for the rest of the regions, yes. <sighs> Yeah, like you said, I I guess it's it's fair to bring that up, but I don't know if I see Valve doing that simply because from the from the business perspective, of course. No, I don't I mean, think they're going to. Yeah, yeah I'll be clear. There, there, I think they should. There is that argument, but but okay. So even with the should argument, I don't know if I'm 100 percent sold on because when you start playing this game of hypotheticals of how of the feel game in terms of seeding for specific tournaments, and it can get a little dangerous. I do feel like you have to take facts into consideration and. And again, fact is two North American teams finished top six at this tournament. So not giving them this three spots, it just seems like it's you're taken away from 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 facts. Now, obviously, there's even traditional sports out there, the college football system, for example, that's absolutely ludicrous and ridiculous. And it is all about feeler in a lot of way. Now, there's reasons for that. But uh, I'm more of the side of I, I like to work off the facts and the results given for the most part. I do understand the feeler side of it, too. That has to be at least a little part of it as well. But uh, the facts suggest that NA deserves three in my mind. And again, with, with what we've seen for Valve in the past, I, I do feel like it's going to be the 3-3-3-2-2-2. It would be, for, for me to see a region get four and thus even reducing uh, another region on top of that further, it, it would have to be overwhelmingly clear. Like, it would have had to be at least three of the top four teams from China in this tournament to even get me personally thinking about that. And Obviously, there were two top four teams in IG and VG Gaming, but uh, I, I just I, I can't get behind that idea personally that uh, a region deserves four, you know, just because of feeler. They, they are going to be the best region in the world. I am not de denying that, but I, I can't give them four. What's fascinating about your point, though, is if we were to do that hypothetically and you go into the next tournament and anyone other than EG beats one of those four teams from North America, meaning like if there's four teams from China – and you have the second team from North America, say it's J-Storm, mm -hmm. if they were to place higher than any of the three from China, then you could make the point, like the core three that I was talking about, right? like this three plus one scenario where it's like you have the teams that you think are the best, and then you get another chance, another team to have a chance. It's like if J-Storm were to place higher than any of those three, then you could argue to me that they don't deserve four slots. But like... I know what you're saying. I, I, I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate in terms of like something I don't think they'll do, but honestly is for the betterment of the competition, I think would be the case because if America deserves three slots, then the second best American team should beat the third best Chinese team. Like that's yeah. what it would in my mind be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think I've said enough. It's kind of a weird, kind of a weird uh, subject, right? I mean, yeah, if we're, if we're, if we're being totally like, yeah, let's really look at these top teams, the top three, like obviously you'd only have even one from South America at that point, And you really start kind of breaking it down even further. Well, no, that's the problem, right? I think you have to give the guarantee to, I think well, you can't remove. I don't two. think you do, but valve does. <laughs> valve well, does it's do. like the problem is if you do one, like, I know what you're saying. If we're talking about the short term, best competition, giving as South America, South, South America one would be correct. But, like, if you only give them one, let's be honest, Beast Coast will have a monopoly of that for years. Like, the competition in that region is so low that 
the only reason South America even has a good team now is because they were given one slot for majors. Like they were given the opportunity to have these players go to majors. And some of them came out good enough to be uh, competitive at the major level. And so what, what would result if you gave South America one slot would be that Beast Coast would continue being a powerhouse in these, uh, in these majors, potentially placing top eight and the rest of South America is just going to do nothing. Like that, 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 that's the problem, right? You have to balance the potential of the region and what's necessarily correct in the short term. And the problem is, I don't think you're limiting the potential of NA by giving them two slots. Like, that's the difference, right? I don't think that moving NA from three to two is removing the potential. Like, uh, Fighting Panda is like, I want to see them not qualify for minor or major and see what happens. Like, let's see what happens to NA <laughs> when. <laughs> When Quincy or Chaos gets gets the minor slot or even the major slot, J Storm gets the minor slot, and then uh, you know I I just want to see shit stirred up too. Kind well, of, so. I, I guess going off the idea of you you have to go off facts in a way that would be almost a win win for both parties is I to be fair I saw this suggested in chat I know I've heard it before too is that why not have the minor actually give two winners uh the top yeah that's two fine with me too finishers going on to the major so that way you know it's not a bias it's not valve sitting here saying oh we think these regions deserve more than others obviously it's still happening to an extent i guess at that point they would probably do a three three and then two for the rest so three euro three china two for the rest and then the top two from the minor would go on to the uh to the major i i, I could get behind that actually because that, that is yeah. a little more streamlined there with your point in mind last devil's advocate here last major this major we had three na slots for the major and one for the minor and we had three china slots for the major and two for the minor why not make it four and one two and two why not give na just two minor slots if you think they're like that close to being good enough you know what i mean like i agree that na kind of proved themselves why not give us two minor slots and give china four major slots and one minor slot because like, the next major is going to be an na <laughs> i'm dead oh is that's, it that's, actually that's, that's I, reason, I, but... I i'm not even thinking i'm not even taking this into consideration so no, i mean I, that's obviously not even a good reason I was it's not a good reason that, but, but the fact is politics and crap happen so there you go. You know, uh there you go. i guess that's a good point too but i don't think we have enough time to talk about that as well so <laughs> we have a new patch coming up i think we should probably yeah, Probably, we, uh, we are running a little longer here, so actually yeah. we'll, we'll even skip this. Too uh, much to talk about. It's a good problem. There, there, yeah, that's fair. Uh, you know, real quickly, I, going over the, the meta of the major, uh, no, not surprisingly, Keeper of the Light was actually the most picked hero. Granted, only had a 37% win percentage, so that, that's, that, that somewhat stood out to me. Uh, we did see... Uh, you know, mixed in there was, of course, that Morphling, and specifically with the Earthshaker, but... Um, was there anything from the, the stats that, that stood out to you amongst more? Rubik with the 21% blew my mind. Uh, I think TA with the 20% kind of surprised me. And Abaddon with the 25% win rate. A lot of these like super broken quote-unquote heroes that I thought were like really good for their role. Um, having really low win rates. Uh, overall, I think it's just what stood out to me is how crazy a meta can develop over the course of eight months. Like this, this patch. Yeah. There's like these core heroes that are kind of still broken, but just having these heroes kind of pop out of nowhere. Uh, this later on in the patch is always crazy to me. So, um, other than that, nothing really major. The Coddle Night Stalker is always kind of funny. People were talking about that during the tournament. You used to have these two heroes be unplayable on the same team. And now they're like a sick combo. Uh, 
you know, I think Coddle and Nightstalker together were super high win rate, but apart were really low, I think is what happened. So. All right, before we move forward, actually, one thing I meant to do even earlier, but I'll do it now. Um, you know, with the, with obviously Thanksgiving coming up and everything, it's good to talk about these charities here. So Prediction is helping to give back to the holidays. Uh, you can support the Center for Educational Innovation to help give kids life skills through eSports. Pretty cool idea there. Uh, you can help make a difference for Giving Tuesday by going to bit.ly backslash C-E-I-E sports that's bit.ly backslash c-e-i-e sports so check it out for a good cause right there okay moving forward though as far as uh the show is concerned so the major again wrapping up we talked about we do got a big patch that is as was hinted at least uh, should be coming out tomorrow um i mean please dear god please um We'll see when, when in the day it happens, but uh, should be coming out tomorrow. Obviously, it's been a patch in the making for a while now. We we know there's at least going to be two new heroes coming with the patch. Uh, but as far as everything else, we really don't know, right? I mean, it's called the Outlanders. There's going to be two new heroes. How big is this patch going to be, I guess, is what we're really waiting to find out. I want 7.00 size patch, so you, personally. I was going to say, do you, do you think that this is actually going to be an 8.00? Is this going to be a whole uh, I think it's potentially. I, I do absolutely believe it could be. Um, I think even if it's just 7.23, um, I think it's going to be a pretty massive patch. Uh, I think I've, I've predicted several map changes, like probably another objective on the map, either changing bounty runes or like adding another Roshan-type thing on the bottom half of the map. I think that's like addressing a serious problem where like the balance of the map is too heavily weighed to the top side because of Roche, um, which also favors Radiant because of like their high ground advantage near the area. Um, I think you have to make it so that uh, there's objectives on both sides of the map. So it kind of results in less standoffs and more calculated decision-making on what objective is better. Uh, And then also... Uh, I think there's are certain heroes whose kits are outdated. Uh, like one that stands out to me is even potentially like Luna could use a rework where she's kind of like in the middle of being good at a casting and middle of being a right clicker. Uh, like they don't, these heroes that kind of just don't have a place, like they aren't the best at anything. They kind of just are a hero in Dota two. I think these heroes that are really specialized and really unique are the coolest ones. Um, and they're like the best heroes for the game. Uh, you know, like when they made Viper have break on his W, suddenly that makes the hero offer something unique and cool uh, to a lineup. And suddenly he has like a place in the meta. And I think that there's a lot of these heroes that have kind of just gone under the radar for a while. And I think another one's Ricky. Like he's just a classic pub stomper that has no way to farm. So unless he's killing people, he just doesn't do anything. And in Pro Dota, that doesn't work. They kind of did that to Slark. They reworked that hero such that Slark like participated earlier on in the game and actually became a mid-game team fighter. But he's still the same hero, right? I, obviously, you're keeping the hero's identity, but I think this is their big chance to change the uh, overall uh, special specialties of these heroes that you don't see too much of. And I really hope they take this opportunity to turn the game upside down uh, with these heroes, with the map, everything combined, rework buyback, 
uh, maybe remove gold and GPM talent or GPM, excuse me, and experience per minute talents. I think those ruin the game or experience percentage. Uh, I think there's a lot of things like that where they seem like minor changes, potentially shrines as well. But if you were to change all of it, the game would be unrecognizable in an exciting way. And I hope that's what they do. There's a lot of little, lot of little rules like that. I think that need to be changed. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I haven't really been expecting a massive overhaul patch until very recently. It, it kind of just hit me that it has been because uh, 7.00 was released back in. Uh, I want to say it's been three years. I want to say I think three years. Yeah, because it was. I was at the Boston Major when the video came out, and that would have been yeah December. I believe it was either December or January of 2017, December of 2016. So, uh, yeah, it's been three years since 7.0 came out, and that's kind of crazy to even say, but that's when all the shrines and talent trees and everything were introduced, obviously, and that that did kind of turn everything upside down. And I remember the beginning, a lot of people were very unsure of it, but it's, it's safe to say it, it was healthy. It certainly advanced the game, and it made things extra interesting uh, for both the players and spectators alike. So I, I, I am getting behind the idea that this is going to be an 8.0 patch of sorts as well. And you're talking about some of these changes that's that's certainly uh, kind of going off your take on the idea of a second Roshan-like objective and not not to take from other games, but it, 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 I feel like there are um, some good implementations uh, in other games that you could certainly look at and they have before. Uh, they've already I, done that. And they've already so. done that, exactly. So obviously people know what I'm getting at. Uh, I believe League of Legends specifically Legends, does yeah. have a couple of objectives where you can go for and specifically these buffs that you receive from it. So I don't know if we need another objective that necessarily gives something as strong as an Aegis, but... No, no, yeah. If, if it's just some kind of buff, whether that's an aura that, you know, buffs up your team for a minute of health regen, whatever allows you to push. And But I like the idea that just gives you more reason to ultimately leave your lanes and play around a PvE element that sets up for the ultimate PvP and the team fighting. I, I do think that that would be a cool introduction. So a second objective, I think you and I are both certainly behind, uh, would, would be something that uh, I look forward to definitely in this uh, yeah. match. Uh, the funny thing is people before on my like pre-podcast stream thing were talking about how they didn't like bounty runes. And I'm like, what do you not like about bounty runes? How often do you see like a random five on five at 10 minutes into the game because of bounty runes? I think that that kind of objective makes Dota a lot more interesting to have uh, that much consideration and that much reason for teams to fight each other. I think that's why Dota usually there's obviously exceptions in every tournament. Uh, but for the most part, there's like one or two kills every minute uh for a dota game and i think that that's why is there's just like no you're not allowed to not do anything and i think that that's a good thing and i think that putting more things on the map as people get better and better at dota is really the only way to continue that trend uh, to make sure because people are getting faster with their decisions they're moving faster um you just got to continue speeding things up continue making it more exciting um in ways that still fit what we all love about dota and i think up until this point and all the major patches they've done they've done a good job of that and i think a lot of people every year have been skeptic about valve with their uh you know they're like god the game's dying or whatever but it's like every time a new patch comes out the whole community is always just like wow and i and i think that they're gonna do that again this year and i just have to 
have faith and belief that they will, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, that's why we're all of us who play Dota are still here, like playing Dota. So yeah. Big, big one for me on that. I get one other kind of interesting thing for me, and I don't know if it's actually going to happen with this patch, but because there's only a chance for it with this two new heroes, maybe a rework, I suppose. But what I'm getting at is in, in, in Han, going back to my Han days, there were a couple of heroes that actually had very interesting mechanics in terms of no mana usage. There was actually a different resource that they used to cast their abilities, whether it was a combo-based system, simply almost roguelike from a World of Warcraft, or uh, you actually just have like an energy bar in that sense too or or like a rage bar for i'm using these wild terms here but people i'm sure plenty of people know what i'm getting at there where it's not straight up mana it's instead a different resource that would be kind of an interesting unique mechanic brought to a specific hero that would be cool yeah i'm totally ready for the new heroes to introduce new mechanics you know you have the vector targeting that pango introduced you have the double ultimate um from willow like i think that generally speaking it's a nice, safe way to test out new mechanics in Dota. Like after they added it to Pango, then they gave it to Darkseer, they gave it to Clinks. Um, so I think you can use new heroes as an avenue to see how it goes, you know, uh, on, a, on a small scale. And uh, I hope they take that opportunity in terms of creativity. I think every hero they've released in the last couple of years uh, has been really fun and overall good for the game. People love playing these heroes. Nobody's really... Yeah, if they're broken, you're always going to complain. But for the most part, like nobody's ever complained that Monkey King's an annoying hero in the game. Nobody's ever complained that Willow's annoying, Pangolier's annoying, unless they're super broken, which is how it applies for every hero. But mostly, I, I think people really just enjoy playing these heroes. And I think uh, I look forward to like whatever unique design they gave to, I believe, Spitfire and Void Spirit. I believe so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Spitfire is actually, I'm, I'm really intrigued by more of a support player myself. It seems like she has some more support tendencies possibly. So, uh, that's going to be fun, but obviously the void spirit too, has a chance to be very unique. I, I just want to chuck some cookies at people, man. <laughs> exactly, man. That's you know what I'm saying. It's, 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 it's kind of like, I remember when, uh, what dark willow and, uh, I'm blanking on the name right now. Dark Willow. Who did Dark Willow come Pangler? out with? Pangler, yeah. I mean, yeah. Lost the name. They were a little more like these these silly animated, and obviously there was reaction to that as far as did it really feel like Dota Heroes. I think they fit in just fine, and Snapfire is, uh, or Spitfire, I guess, is certainly that kind as well. But then you do have Void Spirit, who is Is it Snapfire or Spitfire? I, 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 I can't remember. What is it, Chad? I think it's Snapfire. Snapfire sounds better. <laughs> it does sound so better. it's probably right? Snapfire. Uh, either way, it's whatever fire that drags. Dragon Lady Hero Snapfire. It is Snapfire. Okay. Thanks, chat. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so you kind of have the best of both worlds there, I guess. And obviously Void Spirit. The spirits have been a uh, old school thing in the Dota world for a while. So the heroes certainly we're looking forward to. But, yeah, outside of just – obviously we expect a lot of balance changes as well. But uh, there certainly are some gameplay uh, expectations that we're hopeful for uh, on top of that. So, um, Breaking news, by the way, I guess to an extent, we uh, – ex-Liquid Squad, a Kurokian crew, they've officially announced their new name, their new team. Enigma uh, Esports is what they're oh, going with. Just yeah. now just now announced it, I guess, huh? Literally like, uh, yeah, well, like 10 minutes ago at the most, I believe. Uh, I was about to say, because they posted those pictures yeah. yesterday. Yeah, Enigma. Yep, Enigma is their name. Yeah, they posted those pictures, as you said. They're kind of teasing about it. People had, like, ideas of maybe what it was. And so Enigma Esports, it's a, it's a new organization, it looks like. Uh, kind of like the secret idea 
uh, with Puppy and Cruz. So Kuroki going that route. And this, this seems like more and more of a thing, especially with these Dota players, right? They have success, and then all of a sudden they just form their own organizations. And obviously, really, they've all done very well, so why not? I'm currently watching their trailer video. Uh, looks pretty hype. So they got somebody professional to do it. Uh, obviously, it's the same roster, so that they already announced that. There's no surprises there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Kuroki, you know, I, was I guess I was talking. I don't remember who I was talking about it with, but I guess he's been wanting to do this for a while, uh, make like his own organization. And every year when he debated it, Liquid just made their contracts even better. And he said that Liquid – or I was told that Liquid just had like the best contracts in Dota – and eventually, there's really nothing more the organization can bribe you with <laughs> to just keep you there. <laughs> sure. uh, it's not like they're like trying to milk the organization or whatever. It's just every year, Kroge's like, I think I want to make my own team. And the organization's like, no, nope. oh, we'll do this. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think they just ran out of things to do. And at this point, you know, Kroge's just such an icon in the community and obviously just one of the best captains in history. And uh, I look forward to seeing his version of uh, Puppy's Secret, right? Yeah, it's, again, he's, he's, it's no secret, well, for lack of a better <laughs> word, uh -huh, uh, that he is getting a little bit older. And, of course, uh, I'm sure he still has plenty of playing career left. But th this, to me, speaks that he's setting up for the future. In Kuroki's case specifically, I'm sure all the players possibly got some, you know, some hand in this organization, too. But Kuroki, no doubt, the leader of it and uh, behind it. And, um, hey, we saw Team Secret just announce a CSGO team today. Like, and obviously, there's it's going to be more than just Dota down the line. That's the ultimate idea of these uh, yeah. starting an esports organization and, and when you're a player that's had massive success within esports already it, it, you clearly do have an advantage so why not take advantage of yep, that that's a long-term commitment to like their careers and impact on esports and i think it's a really good thing to do to kind of plan to be like that's their future after they're done playing and i think that's really cool Okay, so that's uh, some fun breaking news right there. Again, we were hinted at it, and so we know now Nigma. I see people in chat, by the way, reacting to the live reactions. Uh, a lot of people don't like that name. I, <laughs> I can kind of see why, I guess, it. people, you know, typical Twitch chat making a comparisons as far as what it's close to sounding like. I, I think I think it sounds kind of cool to me. You know, you got Enigma here on the game, and obviously a popular one. So uh, I think Enigma is fine, but hey, their choice. Uh, the patch, I don't know. It's, it's, I guess it's really not much else to, the, I, I thought about maybe we could talk about needed buffs or nerfs, but again, we, we were expecting balances. We, we know Morphling or Shaker specifically is going to get touched on. I'm sure Coddle's going to get nerfed. I, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of the expectations that everyone expects will certainly, uh, get addressed, uh, in this patch. Are there any specifics that you wanted to make a point of or no? Uh, not really. Nah, <laughs> I, I think I've kind of said enough <laughs> yeah it's it's going to be tomorrow man and again by the time you're listening to this podcast if you're listening to it on one of our podcast uh, outlets there obviously by then it could very likely be out and that's pretty cool as well uh next week's show again we're not gonna we're not here to just go over all these patch notes that's what purge is for after all i watched this trailer and already hyped for it um but uh we'll, we'll definitely talk about ones that are more impactful for the competitive scene certainly uh, and give our takes there so that's uh we have to look forward with that but uh speaking of uh this week later on in the week at least uh here in the states we do got thanksgiving coming up and we figured it would make sense to uh finish the show with uh talking about in dota 
sense at least what uh, what we're both thankful for so um there you go I, i'll start i'll start at first uh, you know what what i'm most thankful for when it comes to dota specifically uh i guess a couple of things really one just even the opportunity to be involved in it and as talent and, and uh, you know to get to go to these events and cast dota 2 is obviously really cool but also just honestly valve in general when it comes to supporting competitive games like dota and even csgo and a couple others uh I know that that obviously there's there's complaints sometimes as far as in Dota's case with the DPC season, some changes need to be made, blah, blah, blah. But the fact that they've supported as much as they have and you kind of compare them to other companies that do have their competitive games out there, they have done a lot, in my opinion. And especially on the spectator side, having and being a caster and somebody that, you know, spectates a lot of these events, having the ability built into the game to be able to freely spectate a lot of these tournament matches or even just simply public games uh it is such a cool implementation that surprisingly other big companies and games don't even have basic versions of let alone replay systems whatever so i do feel like valve does an amazing job at supporting the competitive scene yes there's still changes that can be done to better it in the end but uh, overall i am very thankful for what they brought to the table and allowed us to be able to you know enjoy the competitive scene for what it is uh moving for it so there you go kind of a all over the place there i guess but i'm just gonna make mine short and sweet i just think that as a person in the world who a lot of people go through that uh, everyone does to some extent and goes through that period of life where they say like what exactly makes me happy what what uh do i just love am i passionate about and for me i'm just so thankful for dota because it's a game where there's like a personality type to the type of people that enjoy Dota. And I think it's somehow become this game that we're all able to bond over, even though some of us or most of us are super toxic about how we go about doing that. I think it's really cool that something like Dota can bring so many people to be so passionate and so just it's a life defining game. Like it's not the type of game that you just pick up, and it does nothing in terms of the effect it has on you. It changes you to be a Dota player, and I think that that's what I'm so thankful for. So I'm thankful that somehow Valve and Ice Frog and all of them have created this game that we are able to have change our lives together, and I think that's really cool. Very well said. I think that uh, means we're ready to come to a conclusion, though, so... Uh, before we do one more time, wanted to bring up uh, again, speaking of with Thanksgiving coming up uh, again, prediction is helping to give back to the holidays, support the center for educational innovation to help give kids life skills through esports. Uh, you can help make a difference for giving Tuesday by going to bid.ly backslash CEI esports. So, uh, wrapping up officially, anything else, uh, you want to say BSJ before we do? I just saw somebody in chat say that uh, without Dota, they would have never treated their own depression. And I think that uh, that's just one example of how impactful Dota is on our lives. And today's tomorrow specifically is going to be one of the days that as a community, we appreciate the most. And I am super excited to have to be able to share this experience with everyone. And I can't wait. 
Again, well said. So shout out to you guys tuning in. The Wombo Combo Podcast officially coming to conclusion. Happy Thanksgiving to those in the States and just uh, hopefully in general, everyone tuning in, having a good week. And we'll see you guys next week where post-patch, is it going to be 8.0? Is it going to be something else? Either way, it's going to be pretty big. Certainly looking forward to it already. Congrats, TNC, of course, on the major victory. And thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode of the Wombo Combo. So until next time, have a good night, guys. We'll see you then. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.